Now, before we start this episode of The Draft Analyst, just a quick programming note. This episode was recorded several days before the Pac-12 decided to postpone their season and attempt to play in the spring. So when you hear Tony discuss that, there are discussions to start the season a bit later than normal. Just know that all of this came before the official decision to postpone the Pac-12 season. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode number 149 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And Tony, four of the five power conferences are officially in the books, so we're here today to start breaking down the final one, the Pac-12, with a look at the first five teams in the conference. What's going on, Tony? Uh, not much. You know, I think the Pac-12 was the conference that most people were concerned about whether or not they're going to have a season in 2020. They've scheduled one. There's been some talk about it may start later than expected. Hopefully, everything pans out because, as you'll find out over the next two shows, they do have some dynamic offensive prospects for the NFL draft. Absolutely. And the Pac-12, 32 players selected in April's draft, third among the Power Five conferences. And those 32 selections included two first-round picks, Austin Jackson and Brandon Ayuk from USC and Arizona State, respectively. We won't get to the Trojans on today's show, but we will hit the Sun Devils along with several other teams. Tony, what's the outlook for the Pac-12 in 2021? A similar situation where it's going to be offensive tackles that lead the way, especially if the underclassmen enter the draft or the top underclassmen from the conference enter the draft, which I think is going to happen. They'll start with Arizona, no draft picks for the Wildcats in April, and that could repeat in 2021, although they do have two seniors who grade as late-round prospects, linebacker Colin Schooler, 98 tackles in 2019, 11 of them coming for a loss, and he had 119 stops with a whopping 21 and a half behind the line of scrimmage as a sophomore. Schooler's a good football player. He's instinctive, he's intense, but he's small, which means his draft grade is going to rely very heavily on his 40 time, which is no lock to be outstanding. Senior cornerback Lorenzo Burns, on the other hand, has speed to burn, but he's also on the smaller side. Nine career interceptions, shows off some ball skills to match, but his future NFL home likely ends up playing inside on some packages and helping out on special teams. Yeah, I I mean, Burns is fast. He flashes. He's got solid ball skills, but I I think that lack of size is really going to hurt him. There were some scouts that grade him as, a, as early as a fifth-round prospect. Right now, I have him more as a seventh-rounder. Colin Schooler, like you said, I mean, the guy's going to likely measure in under six foot tall, but he's a tough, nasty, instinctive football player who has to run fast. And run fast means he's got to get under 4'8 in the 40 when he uh, participates, hopefully, in his pro day next year. I just like him as a football player. I think he's going to plug in somewhere. I have him as a six-rounder. Uh, his brother, Brendan Schooler, uh, transferred from Oregon, as, is joining him in Arizona. He was a good football player at Oregon when I scouted him. Really hasn't done much recently. He's got decent size, uh, 6'1 and a half, almost 200 pounds, runs in the 4'4s, uh, four solid receiver. We'll have to wait and see how he does at Arizona, who the program just, seem, just seems that they can't get out of their way the past uh, half dozen years or so. Now, that's not really the case for Arizona State. 
Sun Devils had two players selected in this year's draft. Aforementioned Brandon Ayuk and a Tony Pauline favorite seventh round running back, Eno Benjamin. Nothing but day three options, though, for 2021. Senior wide receiver Frank Darby should step in to fill the shoes of Ayuk. Just 31 catches last year, but turned those into 616 yards and eight touchdowns. He's actually the only returning Sun Devil with more than 10 receptions in 2019. So he's going to be very busy this year. And with good size and speed, a productive season should go a long way for his draft stock. Junior defensive tackle DJ Davidson, a big body at nose tackle in Arizona State's 4-3 scheme, but good athletic ability as well. He can get down the line of scrimmage to make plays as evidenced by his 51 tackles in 2019. A lot for a defensive tackle, let alone a nose, even in a 4-3. Tony, give us more on both Darby and Davidson, as well as some of the other third-day options for the Sun Devils. Very excited to see Darby this year. I mean, when he flashed last year, it was big-time potential. He's got decent size, six-foot-tall, slightly under 200 pounds, runs and plays in the 4-4s, makes a lot of big plays down the field, as you illustrated with uh, the yards per catch average, makes a lot of big plays in the end zone. I mean, a guy who's just a great vertical receiver makes the over-the-shoulder reception with ease, with defenders draped on him. I think it was a situation where they just had a bunch of uh, receivers at Arizona State last year, uh, headed by Brandon Ayuk, and Darby just did not get his fair share of the footballs. They've got a good uh, young quarterback there. Very excited to see Darby. I have him graded as a fifth-rounder right now, which is higher than most scouts. I could absolutely see him moving towards the, the opening of day three, if not into the second day of the drift. He's got that sort of upside potential. DJ Davidson was someone who flashed last year. Want to see more consistency from him. He's a bigger athletic guy. Shows some power. Shows good movement skills. He's just got to put it all together on an every down basis. Michael Turk is an interesting situation. If you remember, Michael Turk, the punter, was, in the 2000, was eligible for the 2020 draft. He did not get selected, even though some people thought he was the top-rated punter in the draft. And somehow, Michael Turk is back playing at Arizona State. Don't know how he got his eligibility back, but more power to him. I have him graded right now as a fifth-rounder. I think he's a solid punter. I just think it's interesting that a guy who was projected to be the number one punter in the 2020 draft was not selected, went to the combine, is somehow back on the college football field. Yeah, it's pretty unprecedented. I mean, yeah, he hired an agent. He participated at the Combine. Then he didn't get drafted, obviously, and somehow has, has been gotten to go back. I'm trying to find information on that, and I, I really can't. But I think a lot of it might be due to the whole COVID-19 situation and mentioned some other extenuating circumstances. But, I mean, I've never seen that or anything like that before, Tony. Have you? Not at all, because, I, I mean, I've got to assume, and they know you know what they say about making assumptions, that while he was training for the, uh, for the, uh, for the combine and, and getting ready for the draft, I, was he going to class? I, I mean, I don't know. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. And I asked why was he allowed, you know, why was he brought back into the mix? I was, you know, there were no definitive answers uh, given. It, it, it's interesting to see if this sort of thing is done moving forward. Do also have to throw out there the name of Jackie Jones, the cornerback, a guy who I thought highly of when he was at USC, transferred to Arizona State, had a solid but not great year, great campaign in 2019. He's got terrific ball skills, average size. He's a more of a thinner guy, but he's very athletic. Jackie Jones is someone I grade as the seventh rounder right now. 
with a good season, I could see him moving into the middle day of day three or the middle part of day three, I should say. And one more note on Turk. He actually has two years of eligibility left, too. The fourth year junior, right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's just interesting. You leave, and then you get not just one year back, but you get two. I, I've never seen it, uh, but we'll move on here. We'll take a look at the Cal Golden Bears. Three draft picks in 2020, including Jets' third-round pick, Ashton Davis. And if junior quarterback Chase Garbers enters next year's draft, the Golden Bears could make it four of the last five years with a top 100 selection. Garbers, very accurate. Excellent intangibles as a passer. He's a bit smaller, doesn't have a big arm, and has certainly had some injury issues so far during his college career. But he's a good quarterback. He may not be one that has franchise-altering upside, but definitely a guy that could settle in as you know, kind of a high-level backup and a spot starter type at the NFL level. Senior cornerback Cameron Bynum, like Garbers, someone we discussed last summer on the show, shows ball skills with five career interceptions, can play the run as well, also has nice size, but speed is the real issue for Bynum. And frankly, it might be enough of an issue to keep him out of the first 150 picks of next year's draft. When you watch Bynum, who I've had graded since he was a freshman because he really impressed me with his ball skills, you know, the, the big playability and the cover skills scream second day. But then you watch him, you know, basically chasing down receivers in the deep field because they're constantly beating him in a foot race. I mean, he's the kind of guy that – Right now, when you look at him, he looks like he's a high four five guy, if not a low four six guy. And at six foot two hundred pounds, that that means you're going to get drafted very late, or you're going to move to safety. Uh, he's got the ball skills, he's got the tenacity, he's a physical corner, he's got it going on between the ears. His draft status, or I should say, his draft ranking, will be dictated by his forty time, especially a cornerback. I really like Chase Garbers. I liked him after his uh, freshman season. We spoke about him last year. I liked what, when he was on the field last year. He's an accurate quarterback who nicely places throws. We've talked about uh, our last show. We talked about some of the Big 12 quarterbacks, Erlinger, Brock Purdy, who seem to spray their throws. Not Garbers. Garbers hits receivers as they leave their breaks. He doesn't make them work hard uh, to come away with the reception. He hits them in stride. He's a smart quarterback. Not the most athletic guy in the world. Not the biggest guy in the world. But as I said in my write-up at Pro Football Network, he's one of these guys that – He's not a franchise quarterback, but I think he's better than a game manager and someone that you can work with. One last guy, Keone Deng, the outside linebacker, a taller linebacker who's fluid. He's fierce, uh, looks like a big, uh, tall, thin guy on the football field, makes a lot of positive plays with his head. I think he's going to be a real good late-round choice coming out of Cal. Now, Colorado, three players selected in April's draft. LaVisca Chenault and Davion Taylor went on the second day. But the Buffaloes won't have anybody drafted earlier than day three in 2021. Senior linebacker Nate Landman, another player we discussed on our 2019 preview show, is an instinctive, disciplined linebacker, similar in some ways to Colin Schooler earlier in the show, just has better size. He's a sure tackler who hits hard, and he's always around the ball. Over 100 tackles for Landman in each of the past two seasons. Now, even though he's bigger than Schooler, doesn't really have great size and doesn't have the speed to make up for it either. But those instincts and his production should land him as a pick sometime on the third day. A guy Landman plays behind redshirt sophomore defensive tackle Jalen Sammy. Zero technique size, but not devoid of athletic ability. Played well last season. He can stand up against double teams. He can pursue plays down the line of scrimmage. Just needs a bit more polish to his game. But as an unlikely entrant, 
into the 2021 draft, he should have at least a couple seasons, hopefully assuming, again, this one gets played to its fullest extent to develop those parts of his game. Yeah, I, I mean, Lamin is a good football player. Scouts estimate he plays to a 4.7540. I think he's a little bit slower than that. He doesn't show great speed in pursuit. Makes a lot of plays with his head and the ability to basically know what's going to happen and unfold the action before the play actually happens. He's very good up the field against the run. He's also solid in zone coverage. I mean, he's not just a two-down defender. I don't think he's the type of linebacker that would be good in man against a tight end or a running back because of the lack of speed. But if you just drop him back and, and ask him to play in zone, he'll do a good job for you. Very good player, three years. I mean, he was a productive linebacker since he was a freshman. I think he's going to be a solid uh, last day pick. Uh, Sammy is a guy who's got terrific size. He flashes incredible athleticism. He flashes big playability. The problem is he's got to improve his fundamentals. He gets too tall, plays too upright, which really negates any size and power advantage he has. Comes with, Sammy comes with an upside. It's just he's really got to, uh, really got, got to polish his game. William Sherman kind of disappointed me last year. I was, I was very high off of his uh, redshirt sophomore film. Had a very uneven year in 2019. Looked like he was you know, it just, just wasn't there. Uh, played much better in 2018 than he did in 2019. Plays tackle. Has got guard size. He's got good movement skills. He's the type of player that you can use in a uh, run blocking type of system. Uh, I'm sorry, in a zone blocking type of system. Uh, but he's got to get his game back together. You know, tough go of it for Colorado. They, they had that whole situation with the coaching staff this year where the coach left late unexpectedly to take the Michigan State job. They just can't seem to right the ship. I mean, they were a fun program to watch during the uh, Mike McCarthy and the Rick Neuheisel years. Really haven't gotten it back uh, to where they were. Uh, I, I think it'll be a tough year for them on the field. Now moving on to the final program on today's show, and that is the Oregon Ducks. Four players drafted this past year, including sixth overall pick, Justin Herbert. And the Ducks, again, have a player who seems destined for, at the very least, the top ten, if not the top five or even top three. And that's junior offensive tackle Penny Sewell, mentioned alongside Trevor Lawrence and Jamar Chase when it comes to top 2021 draft prospects. He's a super fluid left tackle, also has good size and strength, excellent technique, this is a guy that's made an impact on the offensive line from the moment he stepped onto the field for Oregon, really the complete package as a blocker. Although, Tony, I know you do have one concern in particular about Sewell's game. Yeah, he doesn't play with a nasty attitude. I mean, he's not a guy who really looks to bury opponents into the ground. Yeah, he gets the upper hand, he gets the advantage, and then he seems content with that. He just does not have that nasty attitude. Sometimes that uh, – you know, can't be developed. Sometimes it's not necessary. And I don't think it's going to be necessary in the case of Sewell. There are some coaches, though, who uh, who really want to see offensive linemen uh, have that nasty attitude. You know, it's funny because I forget, uh, I had posted it on Twitter. I forget what the topic of the conversation as it pertained to Sewell, but it was a situation about Sewell not playing in 2020 because of a season, a Pac-12 season that may start in January. And one of my West Coast scout buddies who I spoke with said, uh, when it came to Sewell, it doesn't matter. He could sit around and eat Cheetos for the next six months, and he'd still be a top 10 pick in 2021. That is how 
highly he is thought of in the scouting community. I know I had read somewhere on Twitter that there was a report that there was concerns about Sewell and there were some scouts who graded Walker little higher than Penny Sewell. That's a bunch of bunk. I mean, Penny Sewell right now is graded as no worse than a top 14 pick in next year's draft, which is high praise for a class or an underclassman group that includes the Trevor Lawrence's and the Jamar Chase. He's fluid, as you said. He's got terrific footwork. He's very effective in motion, gets out on the second level, can take uh, linebackers or defensive backs from the action. He's never off his feet, which is something you want to see in offensive linemen. Blocks with terrific fundamentals. Not the tallest guy in the world. Maybe some could say, you know what, he's got guard size. It's someone who probably comes in about 6'4", 6'4 and a half, 320 pounds. But he's incredibly athletic. And I've not heard this, but if the Pac-12 season gets pushed back, and I don't think he's got this mentality, but if the Pac-12 season gets pushed back, I think Sewell's one of those guys that you got to look at who may opt out and just start to train for the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, and it was just today you mentioned uh, before about – um, you know, Sewell and, and the season and stuff like that. It was just today that a lot of the Pac-12 players came out and, you know, were kind of voicing their concerns about um, safety practices and, and things like that related to COVID-19 for the upcoming season. And, and Sewell has been pretty active on, on Twitter Sunday, just kind of saying some of those things and supporting a lot of those players. Now, some of the guys that may be saying things, you know, they need the season a little bit more than Penny Sewell does. As you said, you know, consider around eat Cheetos. Maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but the guy is locked in barring some sort of serious injury, um, which, you know, if that's the only thing that's really going to drop your draft stock and you have a season like this where it's, you know, going to be more or less accepted for players to sit out because of the circumstances, uh, you know, it, it really would not be shocking to, to see him sit out, um, you know, especially considering some of the things that, uh, you know, he was putting on social media on Sunday. Yeah, and we have to we'll put an asterisk here because we are taping this show on Sunday, August 2nd because of pending vacations. So while you're, you're listening to the show in the second week of August, you know, some things may have happened between the time Chris and I taped the show on Sunday, August 2nd, and by the, by the time it reaches your ears and, and reaches the podcast airwave. So uh, if we're talking about things that already happened, rest assured, We've been ahead of the curve on this. As we are in a lot of scenarios, aren't we, Tony? <laughs> That's why you get paid the big bucks, Chris. <laughs> yes, me. I'm the one getting paid the big bucks. Um, but obviously, Oregon, as a team in terms of NFL draft prospects, is more than just Penny Sewell. Uh, mostly third-day prospects outside of junior safety, Javon Holland. Good size and athleticism. 66 tackles last season. Nine career interceptions. Any place to those stats on the field in terms of being effective, both against the run and the pass. He also dabbles a bit as a punt returner as well. Averaged 15 yards per return in 2019. Just really an intriguing safety, and, and you don't find many that are successful returners as well, which says a lot about Holland's athletic ability. Running back C.J. Verdell, a fast, explosive option out of the backfield. Decent size, over 200 pounds, not quite feature back size, but he has gone over 1,000 yards in each of the past two seasons on the ground has 41 career catches as well. So just another versatile, you know, Oregon type of explosive running back to enter the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean, I give a Javon Holland the safety a third-round grade. I give C.J. Verdell, the running back, a fourth-round grade. Scouts that I've spoken with who grade underclassmen, but give both of those guys 
third round grades. So they're slightly higher on Verdell than I am. I'm a little concerned about his size or maybe his height, but he is a big play guy. I mean, he shows a great burst through the hole. He shows the ability to break the long, uh, break the long run. I mean, it's been up and down as far as these type of smallish running backs that have come out of Oregon. Want to see Verdell put it together for another season. Javon Holland's a guy I absolutely love. Now there wasn't a lot of consistency in his game, but when he played, he, he flashed big time ability. I mean, big time ability. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the ferocity uh, to really start in the NFL. People have been mentioning him to me, which means that I believe he's going to enter the 2021 draft in one shape or form or another. Uh, he's got a bunch of upside. He's someone who I think would really benefit from another season on the field, assuming that the Pac-12 kicks off when they're supposed to and really improve his game and he'll march up draft boards. But I fully expect Holland, short of any injury or, or anything like that, to be available for the 2021 draft. Now, Holland and Verdell are the second-day possibilities for Oregon behind Sewell. But, again, the Ducks have a lot of potential third-day picks as well. John Johnson, senior wide receiver, has a seventh-round grade right now, 57 catches for 836 yards and seven touchdowns in 2019. Decent size. Tony, I know he's a guy you see some potential in as is defensive tackle Jordan Scott, another senior. I know you're higher than scouts on Scott in terms of I think they feel like he's more of just a, a gap-occupying nose tackle in the middle of the field, whereas you see a little bit more to his game. He's got some playmaking ability. He is a wide-body blocker, six foot, 330 pounds. You know, uh, where's, number, where's jersey number 34? It's funny because they say that some of these defensive tackles shouldn't wear single-number uh, jerseys because the single number stretches out because they're so wide. <laughs> well, uh, with Jordan Scott, it's a situation where you could probably put three numbers on his jersey comfortably because he's such a wide-body guy. He's powerful. He's explosive. You know, not a pass rusher, more of a natural nose, uh, nose tackle type of uh, player, but someone who, when he's free, can make plays on the ball carrier or even the passer. I grade him as a fifth rounder. Scouts have him anywhere from the sixth round to free agency. Uh, they've got another uh, defensive uh, lineman there, Austin Fayalu, who some scouts feel is a fifth rounder. I grade him uh, same area, more of an athletic guy. He's got uh, better movement skills than Jordan Scott. He's not as forceful. Needs a free shot at the uh, football. Uh, some scouts have uh, actually uh, Fayalu graded higher than Scott, which is surprising to me because Scott's been such a good player the past couple of years. As far as the receiver Johnson is concerned, very reliable, very dependable, good in all facets of the game, but really no outstanding physical skill. Someone who I think, could be a late-round choice, seventh-round choice, and then make an NFL roster as a fifth receiver, return specialist, uh, bringing back punts. That's it for the 149th episode of The Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back next week to wrap up the Pac-12 but until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night. <laughs>